You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where we're having straightforward, honest conversations about what goes on in your married life. Because what we try to do here with the Sexy Marriage Radio Empire is frame conversations about what goes on behind your closed doors so that it can be what you want it to be as you see it and you dream it and you desire it, not as we say you should do it or shouldn't do it. Yeah, so many people are like, you do know what goes behind my closed doors. <laughs> really? How did you, you guys are just speaking to me in that one. And the, and it's also interesting because there's so much of a, I just want to know, is this normal? Or mm. is this wrong? Or is this okay? And I want the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation to know that question is a normal thing. Mm-hmm. It's a reality of, am I weird? Am I perverted? Am I abnormal in some of the things I like or don't like or want to do or, you know, so it's just recognizing, man, we are all weird little people that are perverted and abnormal. And that's why we like hanging out with other people that are weird and perverted and abnormal because we don't feel out of place. All right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's where the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation comes in, because I think as a whole, the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation is just trying to have the best sex that they can. Because they want the best marriage that they can too. Yeah. And those two go together, right? That married life and sex, those things go hand in hand. How we do one is how we do the other and vice versa. Yeah. And so what we want to do is just help it overall be better for you. And alongside my wife, Pam, as always, uh, we're here and we want to hear from you. The way you can let us know what's going on in your mind or your questions or if you've heard uh, something from... One of the shows that spoke to you and you've got a word or a message to that call in or that email, uh, call in and let us know via voicemail as well. And that would be the number would be 214-702-9565 is how you can get to the front of the line on what we talk about and where we go. You can also email us at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com because I can almost guarantee it. That if you've got a question or an issue or something going on in your marriage, you are not alone in that. There are other people that are experiencing it or have experienced it or will experience it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because normal, regular people have problems in their sex life. Things just change and evolve and shift. And so what we want to do is just equip you to know there's hope. Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, there really isn't. And one of the ways you can also find out more uh, about how really there is nothing new under the sun on a deeper level is join the Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sexy Marriage Radio Academy exists to just go deeper with the conversation within the context of a private group of people that really are supportive and helpful for each other because they're looking for it for themselves, but they're also looking for it to help other people. Mm. Yeah, there's and, a lot of solid solid folks in that academy it's been great to see conversations and and just this week was our our monthly coaching call for the academy members that are all the way in with the academy Mm -hmm. 
and that's why they get an hour, hour and a half a week or a month with us just to let's talk where you want to go. What's specifically going on with mm-hmm. you? And so it becomes a coaching call that's real applicable for whatever the situation can be. And that was even one of the things that rang true from a member saying, I've just really loved the, the respectful, supportive, encouraging tone of the conversations that take place here mm-hmm. uh, in the Slack channel that's a private members-only chat, and then on the calls, that there truly is uh, someone can voice a concern or an issue, or, hey, this is going on. Anybody else got anything that that's happened or similar? And people chime in and say, oh, yeah, what about this? Why that? This happened for us. This helped us. You know, and it's just, it truly becomes this supportive involvement that Pam and I are involved with, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the members are there, too. Yeah. And everybody's helping everybody. So if you want to join us, which I'm personal plea to do so, you get the extended content of every episode. Plus, if you go all the way with us, uh, you get monthly coaching calls, a private members only chat. There's some webinars that are in. There's a lot of information that could truly help you. Mm-hmm. That's just for members only. And you can find that at smrnation.com forward slash SMR Academy. Coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio, uh, I had the op opportunity and the privilege to have a conversation with Emily Nagoski, author of Come As You Are, Mm -hmm. uh, is quite a mover and shaker in the sexuality world right now, Uh, is a really good thought-provoking speaker. And so we finally, thanks to Jessica, tracked her down and got her on the air with us. Nice. Now, Come As You Are. That is C O M E. Yes. Okay. And this is it's it's largely for women's sexuality. Okay. But it's also well, I can't give it away. It's what we talk about in the free yeah. episode coming yeah. up. Listen but the episode. Uh, it's a great book. I was introduced to it by a couple that came to a getaway a couple years back. Mm-hmm. They were at the Sexy Marriage Radio Getaway. They pulled me aside uh during one of the meal times, just hanging out at the hotel. And she said, do you know who Emily Nagoski is? And I'm like, no, tell me about her. Because anytime something spoke to somebody as part of the uh, Academy or the Getaway or the Nation, I want to know. Right. Because I know we don't have a corner on this market. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good, helpful voices out there. And so she introduced me to it, and she said, this is one of the best books I've read. Um, and so I took her at her word, went and did some more exploration, and lo and behold, that is some good information in there. So this was a great conversation to have with Emily on just dealing with normalizing life in our sexual struggles mm. and have responsive desire, reactive context. There's all kinds of different stuff mm-hmm. that we're going to go in this, in the free section Looking forward to of, the, of the show today. And then on the extended version of Sexy Marriage Radio, which is deeper, longer, and there's no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com. Emily and I continue the conversation But this time we get into a little bit of the darker side because she actually has a TED Talk out there that's about sexual non-concordance. What does that mean? Which is where your body biologically is reacting as if you're aroused, but the rest of your body is saying no. Oh. This would be similar to an prepubescent early adolescent male that gets an erection at the most inopportune times. Okay. Right, that there's okay, that makes sense. That there's an element of <laughs> like it's like it's oxymoron going it, it, on with the right, body. Right, but it's a it's a thing that she's done a lot of research on to see. Yes, this is a true thing that happens. Hmm. 
that there's times where my mind's just not getting there, but my body is saying I'm ready and I'm interested. And that can actually cause some damage and some trauma to you. Hmm. And so we start talking all about that in the, in the extended content. Mm, that'll be good. All that's coming up on today's show. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Hey, fellas, listen up. Things don't always work like you hope they will. But today, there's help available. If you want to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed, listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance and gain some more confidence. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. Plus, it ships right to your door in a discreet package. It's made in the USA, and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. Best of all, no more awkward conversations. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code SMR. You just have to pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code SMR to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring today's show. Well, joining me for this episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, uh, it's a privilege to be... uh, have Emily Nagoski joining me, and she has most well known as far as I'm concerned, Emily, and I know I might be diminishing some of the the breadth of your work, but come as you are, uh, the book that you published uh, when was when did that come out? It came out in 2015, and yeah, I would say it's sort of like the thing. Okay, <laughs> so, uh, but that's that's where you did become the thing, and. <laughs> I also have heard from several ladies that have been part of Sexy Marriage Radio Nation that like that has spoken and done so much for them that it just became oh, this whole em- Dr. Emily's got to be on the show with us. And so I am excited that you're finally here. Hooray. Yay. <laughs> so Emily, welcome. Thank you for, for taking some time out uh, to join us today. It's literally my favorite thing to do. Almost literally my favorite thing to do. Well, then let's not waste any time. So um, (laughs) I'm curious because uh, anytime I get a chance to talk to some people that have really had profound impact on other people, especially in the world of sex and sexuality, uh, how did you find this as part of your wheelhouse? How did you land here? I got lucky over and over and over again. It started when I was 18. I was a big nerd in school. So when I got to college, I didn't know what I wanted to be, but I knew I'd be going to grad school. So I wanted some volunteer work on my resume, you know, to make me look like a good candidate for grad school. Absolutely. And a guy who lived on my floor said, hey, come be a peer health educator with me. And I was like, Sure, I'll be a peer. I like health. Why not? <laughs> um, so I applied and I got accepted and I started getting trained to go into residence halls to talk about many domains of wellness, including nutrition and sleep, but also condoms, contraception, and consent. Okay. 
And wow, I was one of only two people in that room who during the training around the sexuality stuff, when we started using genital words, penis, vulva, clitoris, I did not go. (laughs) (laughs) It just felt sort of normal and natural to me. And I thought, hmm, maybe it means something that this is not making me break down the way it does other people. And then I got deeper and deeper into that work. To my sexual health education work, I added um, sexual violence prevention education and then sexual violence crisis response. And the more I did that work, so even though my degree is in psychology with minors in cognitive science and philosophy, and I sort of had this plan to be a clinical neuropsychologist, I love the brain stuff, I wanted to work with people with traumatic brain injury and stroke. All that intellectual stuff didn't make me like myself as a person the way the work I was doing around sexuality did. So that's the path I chose. I get it. And I'm glad I'm grateful you did choose it (laughs) and and that it even chose you in some regards. Because yeah, you, sometimes you feel sort of like nudged in a direction, yes. like you try a lot of doors and then there's the one that opens and you're like, well, I guess this is the direction I'm going. Thanks. Right. But the thing I've I've appreciated most from the work and, and the talks and the different things, all the stuff that you have out there is you have a goal in large part of trying to normalize some things. Absolutely. And that is such a valid goal and necessary and I, I, w- I would really love it if you would speak to, uh, because this is one of those things that with Sexy Marriage Radio, um, you know, my wife is my co-host normally. Those of you that are in Sexy Marriage Radio Nation understand this. But anytime I get a chance to get a fellow researcher or clinician or science person that's of the female persuasion, I love that because now I've got another side that can go carry a weight just because she's female. Right. That it's just different. Yeah, we do bring this different perspective. Totally. Women started becoming sex researchers in the 80s, actually. It changed the nature of the research because they automatically brought with them the assumption that, like, hey, what if being a woman is not inherently a problem? (laughs) Exactly. It's not something that has to be solved. Fixed. Yeah, (laughs) Right. 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 And so what if women are maybe, I know this is crazy, but just stay with me. What if women are not identical to men? Oh, heaven forbid. Right? Actually, no, that's a great thing. <laughs> that's, that's the case. So I'm curious. So the first thing I normalize is like creating space for diversity. People just vary from each other. Yep. And they change across their lifespan too. You should expect there to be differences in between you and your partner. And you should expect your own sexuality and your partner's sexuality to evolve across your relationship. Absolutely. And so if, if, if we were to take a a moment to speak specifically to the women, when it comes to their sexuality, their sex drive, their sexual responsiveness, what are some of the main myths or um, topics that keep coming up that over and over, you're like, okay, I keep I keep seeing this, so we've got more we've got to dig deeper into. I think the most fundamental idea for a lot of women is learning the brain mechanism that controls sexual response in the first place. Uh, it's called the dual control mechanism, dual because there's two parts to it. The first part is the one most of us are already familiar with, the accelerator or the gas pedal yep. that notices any sex-related information in the environment and it sends the turn-on signal. So this is, it's everything that you see, hear, 
smell, touch, taste, or, and this is crucial, think, believe, or imagine that your brain codes as somehow related to sexuality and it sends the turn on signal. It's functioning all the time subconsciously, including right now. We're kind of vaguely talking about sex. You've got kind of a vague little bit of turn on signal being sent right now. At the same time, in parallel, you have breaks that are noticing all the good reasons not to be turned on. Okay. Everything that you see, hear, smell, touch, taste, think, believe, or imagine that your brain codes as a potential threat, and it sends the turn off signal. So the process of becoming aroused, experiencing pleasure or desire is a dual process of turning on the ons and turning off the offs. And I know most of the advice that we get sort of from pop culture when people are struggling around these issues is to add stimulation to the accelerator. Right. And that stuff is great if you want to try it. Go for it. But when most when people are struggling, it's very rarely the case that there's not enough stimulation to the accelerator. It's almost always that there's too much stimulation to the break. Okay. So I've had a lot of women be like, "You're there's a break? Yes. <laughs> Stress hits the break. Body image stuff hits the break. Relation stuff, relationship stuff hits the break. Right. Trauma history hits the break. Cultural messages about sexuality hit the break. When you can get rid of that, being worried about being interrupted hits the break. Yeah. When you can get rid of that stuff, it frees up the accelerator to do its job. Okay. And so what are some of the best ways to, to work towards getting rid of, or at least, because I, th- I think the way all this strikes me is it's not like we're going to get rid of breaks entirely. That was, that's chaos, right? Everybody's then always having sex and no, nothing gets done in the world other than lots of <laughs> right. children. That's the thing. That's why the break is so important. <laughs> How well designed are our brains? Like there are times when it's not appropriate <laughs> Abs- to be interested in sex. Absolutely. And so how how do you start limiting, because I love the framework of this, of just one, recognizing it, that yes, wait, there's breaks? Absolutely there are. That's where we're talking about what? Is it the context of everything, mm-hmm. of what's going on? But yeah. how, do you, how do you start to limit that or after you recognize it? So for some people, they can very easily like think through their history and identify things that activate their accelerators and things that activate their brakes, and then think about what they can do to get rid of some of the stuff that's hitting the brakes when it's appropriate. Like, you know, you cannot sell your children to the circus, but they probably (laughs) are pretty big brakes hitters if you have kids. Right. So like figuring out how do we create a context where we sort of cordon off parenthood and just create space for our couple relationship right now. Yeah. Um, stress. How do we create space and time for both people to allow their bodies to move through stress and get to a ple- place of peace and safety inside their bodies? That doesn't just happen spontaneously and automatically. Like you don't get out of your car after a long and terrible commute and instantaneously feel great. Right. You get out of your car after a long, terrible commute, and your body is still in a state where you go inside and snap at your partner. Right. Or whatever. Right. So granting, making sure everybody in the relationship has a chance to like actually deal with the stress itself is important. And you notice I am not talking about things that are like, here are the sexy things that you can do to prepare for a sexual evening together. No. This is like creating yeah. a life where you feel supported and trusting, trust is 
maybe the most important relationship characteristic. Okay. What makes you say that? Uh, So um, there's a relationship researcher and therapist named Sue Johnson who founded Emotionally Focused Therapy. And she breaks down trust as the answer to the question, are you there for me? An R in this case is an acronym that stands for emotionally accessible, emotionally responsive, and emotionally engaged. So when you turn toward your partner with any sort of vulnerability, you want to know that your partner is going to be there for you. So sex is incredibly vulnerable. Yes. You're maybe taking off some clothes and letting somebody see parts of your body that, oh my God, Olive. (laughs) So sex is very, very vulnerable. Taking off clothes, letting people see parts of your body almost no one sees. Right. Letting people touch parts of your body almost no one will ever touch. Maybe even letting them put parts of their body inside your body or putting a part of your body inside theirs. This is an enormously vulnerable thing. And if your partner turns toward that vulnerability with anything short of yes and wow and thanks, like if they're just like, they're not there for you. right? And that can shut things down. So trust is when your partner is 100% there for your vulnerability. Okay. I I like the framework because you're talking about and again, this is what we alluded to just a little bit ago, Emily, that the, the context matters about all of this. Absolutely. And you speak And context of- matters even in like really simple ways. Okay. Keep um, going. Your state of mind changes the way your brain perceives a sensation. So um, if you're already in a fun, flirty, sexy, playful, trusting, erotic place with your partner and they start tickling you. Tickling is not everybody's favorite, but eh, it could feel fun and lead to right. other things. Right. But if that same certain special someone tries to tickle you while you're in the middle of an argument and you're really angry, how does that tickling feel? <laughs> it's not It's not the same. Like you slightly want to punch him in the face a little yep. bit, right? Well, I think you could the take sensation- the word slightly out of it. it that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> So this is this is the puzzle. It's the same sensation. It's the same person Correct. doing the same stimulation of your body. But because the context is different, your brain state is different. Your relationship in that moment is different. Your brain interprets that stimulation in totally the opposite way. Not as something pleasurable to be explored further, but as a potential threat to be avoided. So people, I get this question a lot. Like, you know, my partner used to love it when I would, in a hot and heavy dating state, like she'd be in the kitchen making dinner for us and I'd go in and kiss her on the place and she'd, you know, just like let dinner burn because who cares? Yay. Right. But nowadays, you know, two kids and 10 years down the road, I go into the kitchen while she's making dinner and I kiss her in the certain special places and she's just like, will you go set the table? Yeah. So what happened? What's wrong? (laughs) And it can even change just on a day-to-day basis. Sure. That the context is changing. And there's nothing wrong in those situations. Nothing broke. The context changed. And so it is normal and healthy that the way your brain responds to that stimulation is different. Okay. What it means is that when you get past the hot and heavy fallen in love, what you have to do instead is be really deliberate about creating a context 
that allows your brain to interpret the world as that safe, fun, sexy, pleasurable place. That's interesting because this asset, this also adds to the complexity of what goes on in a relationship in my mind of when you add a system dynamic to it, that I, you know, we're always reading each other, mapping each other mm-hmm. uh, along with the context of how I'm reading myself in that moment. And so there's so many variables that can make me go off the rails ra- rather <laughs> than, rather than hold on, how do I center myself into this? How do I, how do I put context back in context? Exactly. How do I respond to the way my partner's responding in a way that isn't all about my expectations and my fears? For people who are gender socialized, masculine, right? You get, you're born into a body that makes everybody go, it's a boy. And then they start laying all these stories on you. Right. They start telling you who you're supposed to be as a person and how we can tell you're like a good man. And unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that we teach boys who become men is uh, pretty bad for their sex lives. Okay. We tell them that the only way they're allowed to access their biological drive for connection is through sexual connection. So that men are starving for like love and connection and deep intimacy. And they've been taught that the only respectable way for them to access that is through sex. So when they try to initiate sex with their partner and their partner says, no, it feels like they're saying no, not just to the sex right right now, but to like all of that need for intimacy and connection. Yeah. It's to to so much more. So, yeah, I'm curious because and women, okay, oh boy, no. we we're not taught better messages. It's just different ones. <laughs> okay, which would be what? Well, for example, uh, there's a phenomenon that my sister and I call human giver syndrome, okay. where when a person's born in a body that makes everybody go, "It's a girl," they raise that person as a girl, which means they're taught to believe that they have a moral obligation to be pretty, okay, happy, calm generous and always attentive to the needs of others above their own needs. Their needs do not matter. It is selfish for them to meet their own needs and they are required at all times to meet everyone else's needs. Right. So you get these two people into a relationship (laughs) and they both kind of believe that she has a moral obligation to meet his needs. Right. And you get into a situation where she ends up drained and exhausted and needing to distance herself for yep. her survival. Yep. And then he feels abandoned. Yep. That's and a- it's because they've both been following the script they were handed when they were born. Right. Right. Which is a vicious cycle that, that a lot of couples yeah. can get caught up in. And a lot of people have to have a reckoning, a moment in their relationship where they realize we've been following a lot of rules that um, are not working for us. What if we figured out a different set of rules that worked better in our relationship? And I love the use of your word reckoning there because that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, Emily, um, I could talk about this for a long, long time, but... Uh, to close out the first part of our segment uh, with the show, uh, I want I want to give time for you to let everybody else in the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation know how do they find you if they want to know more. 
Oh, the most important thing is the book, Come As You Are. And there is now also a Come As You Are workbook. So if you just want worksheets, you don't want to read 100,000 words of affective neuroscience, you know, you can just like worksheet after worksheet. How do I figure out what context works for me? Okay. How do I figure out the transition from like mommy brain or work brain into hey, sexy lady brain? Uh, worksheets that come as you are workbook. Perfect. Uh, I'm at emilynagoski.com and that has my calendar where it has all the public events that I'm doing. Perfect. Emily, thank you so much for joining me thus far. And I, I'm excited about where we're going to go next. In, me too. In the next conversation. Hi, Dr. Corey Allen. I was just calling in to respond to the young lady that had called in on episode 453 um, about her, you know, being married really young and just having some issues in her sex life with her husband. And I just wanted to let her know that she's not alone and that it gets better. I married my husband at 23 um, and he was 26 and we're celebrating four years of marriage here in April. The beginning of our marriage was really difficult when it came to sex. I had a really hard time reaching climax. My husband didn't last very long. So a lot of her story really resonated with me and kind of broke my heart because I just don't want her to feel alone like I felt so alone in those first couple of years. What I found really helped was learning my own body. You know, I was raised in a Christian home and I felt really uncomfortable with this. You know, I always wondered, is masturbating okay? Am I sinning by touching myself when my husband isn't present? And I asked myself this all the time and it wasn't until really earlier this year, you know, three and a half, almost four years after being married, where I realized that, you know, God created sex and God designed sex to be pleasurable and enjoyed. And sometimes as women, we need to learn what feels good to ourselves so that we can essentially teach our husbands how to please us. And when I learned what I liked, I was able to direct him. And to be honest, toys were a game changer. I found that I need a vibrator in order to be able to actually orgasm and be pleased. And now that, you know, the vibrator doesn't take the place of my husband, but we've incorporated it into our time together. And Oftentimes, my husband's able to use that on me, and, you know, I'm able to just direct him and um, really just teaching him where my, quote-unquote, wow spots are, but, you know, also learning how to be comfortable talking about sex to, to my husband has helped right then in the moment, you know, no, letting him know what's pleasing you and what's not, and just being encouraging to him because sometimes they get this, you know, they, they almost get discouraged because they think that they're not pleasing you, but... Being able to just say things, you know, like, oh, that was great. Maybe next time we can try this. Or that was so much better than the next time. I have found that to help encourage my husband to where he performs better the next time because he doesn't have the anxiety of, am I doing okay? Um, but it took me years to feel comfortable with this. And I was just tired of having bad sex. So um, half the time I wasn't even interested. And I felt like I was the lower desire simply because I just wasn't enjoying it. But now that I learned how to talk about it and you know, I honestly do enjoy it now. And we're going to leave it at that. Sounds good. I love the statement that she made in there that... I was uh, tired of having bad ultimately, sex. Ultimately, I just got tired of having bad sex. Yeah. But, yeah. man, that needs to be a bumper sticker. Right. <laughs> For the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation. Yeah. Man, what changed my sex life is ultimately, I just got tired of having bad sex. Decided to do something about it. So I just stood up and started doing what I needed to for myself. To mm. teach those around there you know, my spouse and here's what here's how this works. Here's what I like. Because that's the whole story, <laughs> isn't it? Good job. <laughs> well done indeed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we are trying to how do we make things so that it does become better? Yeah. And, and you see it as a simultaneous thing, but man, 
she's touching on the idea that we feed off each other so much. Mm. And Emily's touched on that in in the conversations of yeah. how, man, context matters. Mm. That you try something one time, and then you try that same something another time, and it's a different context because they're a different process or place or wherever in their own mental game, mm-hmm. and it changes everything. Yeah. So just recognizing this is all about just us trying to be better. Yeah. So this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Thanks for taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. If we left something undone, 214-702-9565. See you next time.